Well, glad to see you guys. They just keep coming in. Hallelujah. I love it. Um, so we got all that out of the way. We are on level two, lesson three, renewing the mind. This is a, this is a great um, introductory. Uh, let me just say this, that it's not... Um, a complete exhaustive kind of thing, but we're going to try to touch on a few things tonight that hopefully will help you um, in your mind renewal process. So, um, does anybody need a copy? You do? And I think, who? Somebody else need one? You need one too? Um, I think there's a, I think there, there may be, Brian, Where'd Brian go? Is Jessica here? Um, I don't know if we have any more of those copies. We may, yeah. If they are, that's where they should be. You got those from there? Okay. Bill, we'll see if we can get you a copy before the night's out, okay? Awesome. All right. Um, so he starts off in this, in Philippians 4.8, which that's a pretty um, um, popular scripture. Let me just say this. Um, you know, when you watch football or basketball or baseball or anything like that, you see these athletes and they've got the eye black, right? Philippians 4.13 or on their shoes or uh, whatever. John 3.16 and all these, all these things. I don't have a problem with that. But I wonder how many times that becomes a, um, a habit, if you will, and it's lost its potential. Meaning, um, I was talking to uh, someone, and they were talking about the Lord's Prayer, and it's powerful, um, but when you say it all the time, it can lose its significance. And if you don't even know what you're saying when you're saying it, right? So people quote Scripture all the time. The devil quoted Scripture, Right? It's not about quoting as much as it is acting out and living that scripture, right? So when you see these things sometimes, maybe it reminds you, but I'm thinking, okay, especially when you see one that's got this stuff, right? And then you read about them like the next day, they got arrested, you know, or on the court. They were not really exemplifying the love of Christ when they, you know, power drove their opponent into the ground and got a technical foul or whatever, you know. It's like, oh, Maybe. But in uh, Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Notice something in Scripture. Now, um, anytime something's repeated over and over and over, it's important. Okay? Um, so, whatsoever... Things are pure whatsoever, whatsoever. He's, he's trying to make, a, he's emphasizing a point here, okay? If these things are pure, if these things are living, these are what you need to be thinking on. Now, God, the creator of mankind, he created us and he gave us this thing called a brain. And he knows how it works. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking what it must have been like to be in three, uh, 362 or 681 
AD or whatever. We come to, now we're in 2024, right? But what do those people understand and know back in the day? And now technology, science, all that stuff has advanced to the point we have a greater understanding of what this means. <clears throat> we have an actual science behind what happens when you think. We can scan your brain. We can see what uh, things on your brain is firing, what things are not firing, what things are going on. We can see, like, if people have um, damage in their brain. I mean, it's crazy what we can do now. But God knew all this. He created us this way. And he said, that's why he put in Romans that says that I want you to transform yourself, to be, re be renewed by the transforming of your mind, right? You be, I said that backwards. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, as we walk through this, uh, let, me, let, me, let me back just a second here and, and say this. So, there was a question posed. Um, I'm not going to answer it right now, but as we walk through this, I'll come back to it, and I want, you to, I want you to tell me what you think, okay? The question was, do we have original thought? Can we have original thought? So, it's been said that, God gives you thoughts, the devil can give you thoughts, okay? Can we have an original thought? Now, there's a lot packed into that little statement, okay? But as we walk through here, we'll come back to this and be like, okay, what say you? All right, so kind of keep that in the back part of your mind. Then we see in Romans, like I just said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Notice it says your body. Now, we know that we're triune beings, that we are a spirit, um, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And, and here he's saying, present your body as a living sacrifice. So he goes on, he says, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. There again, all these things are good, sweet, and nice, and all that stuff, but what do they mean? What? What, how, how does this affect me and my life? What is he saying? Renew your mind. And there again, I don't want to go just to the uh, um, psychology side because I think we miss something. Here's, here's the thing. Don't be upset if, if you're in psychology or anything like that. Don't be upset by this statement. Psychology is the study of man. Everybody agree? The problem is we studied Adam and we didn't study Jesus. And so sometimes we come up with carnal ideas of how to fix man. And until we go to the spiritual side of that, we won't. We, he won't have a regenerated mind, okay? He'll be stuck in a rut. You know the difference between a rut and a grave? A grave has two ends, <laughs> right? That's it. So, um, so what is God asking us to do here when he says present your body as a living sacrifice. I mean, we could take this to all places. We're talking about renewing your mind, but let's, let's, let's think about this for just a minute. If I'm to present my whole body to him physically, what does that look like? Let me ask you this. Would I, um, would I eat wrong? Would I stay up to the wee hours of the morning and not get enough sleep? Nobody wants to answer that one, huh? Especially the young people. Would I, um, would I consume alcohol or drugs or anything else to the point, to the consumption of 
Yeah, and your body. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you see where I'm going with this? Let me ask you this. Boy, you want to talk about open up a can of worms. Would I wear things that are provocative? And that goes for guys, too. Um, I read a statistic <clears throat> that said, um, man, I'm trying to remember. I'm going to get this completely wrong, so I don't want to tell you what the statistic was. But the, the gist of it was, we think, okay, does everybody understand that God made man physical in the sense that men, M-E-N, not mankind, but men. He made us to see, right? We are motivated by sight sometimes, right? We see a gal, we go, ooh, wait a minute, right? We see a, that car we like, ooh, wait, right? So we're, we're physical in nature in that sense, right? Now, <clears throat> women, he created on a more emotional side. That doesn't mean you're weaker, okay? He just, he, and there's a beautiful thing that comes. I just had this grandbaby, right? And, and she's going to need both of that. She's going to need a man, and she's going to need a woman, right, in her life. Because the two come together and create an amazing pair, right? There's boundaries on both sides. A strong, a strong man to say, I will protect you. A mother who gives nurturing and all that kind of stuff. There's a, I mean, I don't want to be vulgar about this or anything, but there's a reason God made women the way he did. He gave them physical attributes, right? Breast, so they could feed their babies. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit Sunday, I, I think. We might get into it if we don't, maybe the following week. But this whole idea that a man can become a woman, a woman can become a man. We're living in the last days. <laughs> I heard some of you, oh, right? Listen, understand this. Jesus tried to warn us this is going to happen. <laughs> okay? And so what I'm saying is, that when God did these things, he created us. And he says, now, I want you to present to me your body, your whole body. What you do with your hands, what you do with your feet, what you do with your life, right? I want you to present the whole thing to me. I mean, we never really, I don't know if we've ever stopped and thought about that. But part of the process of presenting our bodies to him is to renew our minds. So we start thinking like heaven thinks. We think like God thinks. That way, when we go... We stand in front of the mirror and we go, ah, man. Now, let me, let me just say this. As with everything, there can be some limitations. Maybe that might be not the best word, but for instance, Paul says, I don't want to do something that causes a younger brother to, to sin, okay, or to fall, all right? Now, if we want to take that all the way to the nth degree, all right? We would never play a musical instrument during worship because our brothers and sisters in the Church of Christ believe that's offensive, okay? I say that to say this. Where do we draw the line? Where do we go, okay, look. I mean, we're living in a world right now that lives offended, okay? It doesn't matter where we're at. We're, we're living offended. Now, we're called to live differently than that, right? We're not supposed to live offended, so everything you do could possibly offend somebody, right? Hey, listen, I believe that Jesus is the king. Well, that offends me. Well, I won't do that because it could cause somebody to stop, right? He's talking about things. Um, he, he gives us an example. I'm not going to eat meat offered to idols, right? I'll do it. It ain't no problem with me. It's just meat for me, right? But if somebody saw me doing that, then I'll re 
what does that look like? That's Paul presenting himself as a living sacrifice of the Lord. Lord, I'm not going to do this because you don't want me to become a stumbling block to somebody. There again, within reason, okay? So, um, one time I was at a place and we were having a conversation about modesty. And one of the young ladies said, well, if you've got a beautiful body, you ought to show it off. Is that a godly principle? Actually, God says, if you've got a beautiful body, you ought to cover it up. And I, listen, I'm not talking about wearing a, uh, what do you call them things that go around your neck? You know, a turtle, yeah, all that. I'm not talking about that. I understand. I had a mom tell me one time, well, you can't buy cute things for your daughter because that's the fashion. Sew your own clothes. I mean, here's the thing. We want to say, well, man shouldn't look. You're right. A godly man. But you're asking somebody who's not godly to act godly. And I, listen, men are the same way. Men are looking, right? And it's not, well, it's not, that shouldn't be on, on just the woman. I agree. I, I concur. I'm, I'm not here to debate you on that. I'm just saying, if we're raising up our young daughters and our young men, then we need to be teaching them in the home what it means to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Right? I mean, here's the thing. There ain't a soul out there that wouldn't see that and be like, hoochie mama? You would. And yet we want to hide our eyes and see. I mean, here's the thing. We know that sex sells. And so does the world. That's why they advertise with it all the time, right? Because they're trying to get that eye. Look over here. Look over here. Flashy, flashy. I mean, I don't know if y'all saw them, but the, what was it, the uh, Hardee's commercials that they had back in the day? Trying to sell a hamburger? Are you kidding me? You know? I remember when I was younger, my parents would be watching TV, and my dad would look at my mom and say, what were they selling? My mom said, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so is marketing good or is marketing bad? I, I don't know, you know. So it used to be they would tell you about the product. There was a guy dressed in a suit and a tie, right, and he's trying to tell you about this product because he wanted to present a very professional image. Not so much anymore, right? I mean, I hope you don't watch the Super Bowl halftime. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like, oh, my goodness. But this helps us when we start talking about renewing your mind because here's the thing. We're going to start talking about what we think on. And you go, well, I don't really think about those things. However, most changes in your brain take place in the non-conscious mind, meaning you're not really aware, okay? And we'll get to that in just a minute. Um Um, it talks about being transformed, and I'm just skimming over some of this because I want you to see some of the things that are here. We're going to free talk about these things here in just a minute. But if you have your Bibles, go to Romans right quick. Romans 6. Well, come on. <laughs> My pages are all stuck together. Romans 6, and we're going to go to verse um, 16. Different one here. Romans 6 and verse 16. The Amplified says this Do you not know that when you continually offer yourself to someone to do his will, you are the slaves of the one whom you obey? 
either slaves of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness, right standing with God. Romans here is telling us that who you give energy to, who you're following, who you're acting on, that's who you're slave to. And you've got two options. You can be a slave to God, or you can be a slave to the world, or to Satan. It doesn't leave a whole lot of wiggle room here. Who, who, are, you, who are you serving? I think part of the issue, excuse me if you will, the, the problem, is that the American idea, the westernized Christianity, is that God becomes a cosmic bellhop for us. Most of our prayers, like we've talked about, are God I need, God I want, God, I have this issue. God, fix this. God, make this right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of God, my Lord, my Savior, what is it that you have for me to do today? That's a completely foreign concept to most of us. We've, we've grown up thinking that God is, is our servant, and, he, and he's not. We're his servants. Uh, that doesn't mean that we can't bring our request because he's a good king. And he says, bring your request to me, right? But all, how many times do we bring our request, but we never bring anything else? We never bring real true worship. Uh, sometimes we feel like Sunday morning's good enough. Well, I was there. I didn't sing that one song, you know, but I was there. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I prayed one time. I, I prayed one time last month, and I, I, you know, it's like, and then we're like, God, where are you? It's like, I'm right here. Where are you? I didn't walk away. The Bible tells us God will never leave us nor forsake us. But we feel that way sometimes. Why? Because we've walked away. Because we've gotten away from God, not God leaving us. I mean, even the psalmist says, where can I go where you're not? I'm paraphrasing. If I make my bed in hell, there you are. I mean, he's saying, man, you're, you're everywhere. I just got to look. I just got to look up. <laughs> and there you are. And yet we live in this place where we're like, man, well, God should change and conform his ways to my ways. We're going to talk a little bit about that too. This 2 Timothy 3, the idea of uh, in the last days and what, what the Greek has to say about that. I mean, there's some interesting things that get pulled out of language uh, talking about um, in these last days. I, I believe we're in the last days. I can tell you this, I heard somebody say, yeah, but we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. Well, here's the, here's the deal. The last days is not a period of time like in a week or a month. or It's a, it's a, it's a whole continuum of time, i.e., the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, the Ice Age, the Last Days Age. Okay, So we're in the Last Days Age, and I believe that age is coming to a culmination. Okay? Um, that age was roughly about 2,000 years, roughly. I mean, there's some debate on as to how long that's going to be and all that kind of stuff, but and we'll, we'll get into a little bit of that. Um, well, I can, I, can, I can tell you that right now. So Sunday we're going to talk about this. So we had the law that came down, right? So the law was there, and then Jesus came, right? And when he died on the cross, he fulfilled the law. You could say he did away with the law, but he didn't. He fulfilled it. Okay, so he, he made the law. Uh, he did what no man could do. He fulfilled the law's obligation to become that uh, one and final done sacrifice, right? He spilled his blood because we know that without the spilling of blood, there's no remission of sin. So you got the law, then you've got the cancellation of the law, if you will. Like I said, bad language, but 
the, the cross came, Jesus. So when did the last days begin? The transfiguration, close. When, what do we call that? Pentecost. The last days begin at Pentecost. Okay, that's when the Holy Spirit was given. And so then we stretch out and we go all the way to the last days, okay? And there's a, there are interesting Greek words there, but last days. At the last days is when we see the rapture of the church. We're going to talk about that a little bit too. Some people are like, well, the, the word rapture is not even in the Bible. You are absolutely correct. But do you know the word sovereign is not in the Bible? And yet we call him a sovereign Lord. Sovereign in its actual, it's an English word to describe Lord or Master. Is he sovereign? Yeah. We don't throw that out, right? But in Thessalonians, when it talks about the catching away of the church, remember, there's a difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming. Okay, so the rapture of the church, Jesus does not put his foot on the earth. Easy way to remember it. It says that we're caught up in the air with him. Okay, so we have the rapture of the church. And after the rapture of the church, that starts a seven-year period of time. So those of us who are in heaven, all right, we're going to spend seven years. That's where, the, um, that's where the judgment seat of Christ will take place. That's you, you and I, those who have accepted Christ. That's where we're judged based on our works, our mouth, if you will. And it's also where we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the end of that seven years, the end of the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, we're going to come back down to earth with Jesus in what's called the second coming. Remember, it talks about he comes down and he actually puts his foot on the earth, right? Boom. And when he does, it ain't going to be pretty. It's going to be a great and a terrible day. <laughs> and so we're going to come back with him, 10,000s upon 10,000s, right? And after that is the millennial reign of Christ, okay? The millennial, right? Um, so we see all this crazy stuff going on, and you go, oh my goodness, it shouldn't be scary, okay, number one, Jesus wanted us to know this, he wanted us to have um, a beautiful picture of what this is all about, he wanted us to understand what was going on, that's why he's given us these signs, these wonders, his word, okay, and he's doing all this to show us, he said, what does that have to do with renewing the mind, well, nothing, but I want you to get an idea of like, why do we renew our mind? Because we're, what's the purpose of renewing our mind? Why do we give ourselves as, uh, to him? To prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God, right? We've got people running around here going, I don't know what the will of God is on certain things, right? The Bible tells, now here, I'll tell you this. There are things that I don't know what the will of God is, but we can pray and find out. What college should I attend? What job should I have? What house should I buy? They're, they're not in the scriptures, Right? But as you pray, as you seek God's face on these things, he'll help you. He's going to show you. So we can find out what God's will is on those things. Right, And then there's other things that God's will is already established in the Scriptures. And it doesn't matter what your take on that is. You say, well, it's been my experience. Easy. <laughs> you can have an experience. But if it does not line up with the Word of God, do not reduce the Word of God down to your experience. That's a dangerous way to live your life, and we have people doing that, Christians. Well, I read somewhere one time, you don't even know what that means. <laughs> I'm seeing people on Facebook popping off stuff, right? 
well, I know some of you Christians out there, blah, 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 or, well, I know this, blah, 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 and I'm like, no, you don't know nothing. It would be best for you just to shut your Facebook, you know, or just show pictures of your pretty children, okay? Tell me what you had to eat that night, all right? Show me that, right? That would be better. And so it's like no wonder because we got all this. Let me just say this. I think Christy mentioned this uh, earlier, that what we're coming into is going to look so different than what we're accustomed to, all right? You just thought the story of Elijah pulling down uh, the prophet of Baal's, their, their altars and stuff, that was a cute story. We're living in an age and time where we're going to be pulling down the altars of Baal. Yes, ma'am. Is this who we were talking about earlier for the Facebook thing? <laughs> it was all good, Sherry. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, they had masks on, look like goats. Yeah, goat mask on, yeah. There's nothing Satan here. There's nothing. It was a, sat- a Satan club, Satanist club. And they, they promoted it from the school. If you're going to have if you're going to have an FCA, then by golly, my constitutional right says that we're going to have a Satanist club. And for a long time, us Christians have been like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it!" You know, no, that's what I'm talking about. We're going to be bold and say, "You want to bring a club into school like that? Bring it." And what I'm saying is, yeah, well, that's the return. That's the return of bell worship. That's what we're experiencing now. So there's a, a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Kahn who wrote a book, and he talks about the return of the gods. And talking about, um, as America, really the world, but, but America, we have set on our laurels for so long, we have allowed these gods to show back up, if you will. And if you look at huge, like you say, well, where'd they show back up? Roe versus Wade. Um, taking prayer out of school. And, and, and there again, parents, when you go, well, my kid's going to be a missionary at his school or her school, okay? But when that happens... And we go, well, we're, I'm going to pray. And we start praying, and the, and the teacher says, you set your butt down. You, you go, whoa, wait a minute. And then you get called to the office, and then you go, hey, listen, we're going to expel your kid. And you go, well, I don't really have the money to fight this in court. And I, you know, I'm just saying, are you going to give your body? And what I mean by that, I'm not talking about physical in the sense of like, you know, jump the principle. What I'm saying, though, is are you going to be like, you know what, if I have to pull my kid out of school, but no, this is not right, and we're not going to do this. We are, we are going to stand for what is right and for what is true. I'm telling you, there are being lines that are drawn in the sand, and God is separating people in the church, in the church, saying, what is it that you believe? Let me tell you what, what I think is coming. The days of arguing are over. What I mean by that is this. You say the scripture says, well, you know what? That's dumb. That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. And we're, and we're arguing over doctrine and theology, okay? What I believe is coming is this. Do you believe that Jesus is the only way? No. You do? Yes. Prove it. Well, Jesus said, do you believe Jesus? I'm talking Christian to Christian, okay? I'm not talking about the world. And even the world too. But at some point in time, we want to get into a heated debate. And we can say, listen, you can have that thought. Right? I would agree with you, but we'd both be wrong. Right? Chess, math, you know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
I mean, would you, would you send your kid there, right? I mean, some people just, I mean, what was the rock artist guy that named his kid atheist? Help me out. He said, well, if this guy can name his kid Christian, I can name my kid atheist. And I'm like, that poor child, <laughs> I hope he gets saved, right? I'm atheist Christian. Yeah, I'm an atheist Christian. Yeah, yeah. And this is what I'm talking about. When we see that, when we hear that, we're like, I want to punch them. No, 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 no. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Don't get me wrong. There's going to be times when you're going to have to stand up to demonic activities and say, no, get behind me. I mean, think about Paul. Paul's walking, man. They're just going. And this lady behind him is going, yaggy, 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 yaggy. And I didn't mean that like it's a lady, okay? But she's going, yaggy, 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 yaggy. And Paul goes, wheels around and says, come out in Jesus' name. Bam. Whoo, she's, yeah, she's done for. Well, okay, that's a great point, Miss Jean. She was speaking, what she was saying sounded like the truth, okay? And we just talked about this. How will you know when an angel of light appears before you? And what I'm talking about angel of light, Satan who masquerades as an angel of light. Point being, an angel shows up, a 10-foot creature in the mall. Shows up, and he says, I'm an angel, worship me. How do you know? Yes. So we go, where, do we get, where do we find that? The scriptures. <laughs> so how do you know if an angel of light's approaching you? Well, does it line up with the word? And if you don't know the word... You don't know if you're deceived or not. Yeah. Man, I am going to go, I'm going to. Yes. Yeah. She was, I, I, it, does, it doesn't say that she was a witch, but she was a soothsayer, like, you know. And so there again, too, it, what she's saying is necessarily the truth, but it wasn't out of the spirit of truth, Right. And Paul saw that. He's like, no, you're bringing a different kind of stuff to me, and I don't want that, right? When we, and this is the whole part about renewing our mind. If we, um, so we come and we read the word, okay? Now, not you guys, I mean, you're here on a Wednesday night, right? But I'm just saying, we come on a Sunday, and we spend an hour, and we may or may not completely hear what the pastor says, and then we go home, and Monday comes, and we get caught up in all of these things on a, on a Monday, right? And then, oh, I, I want to watch the game, and I want to... And there again, nothing inherently wrong with these things. But at the end of the week, you have had 168 hours in your bank account, and you spent a bunch of them sleeping, okay? And you spent one of those um, in church, and, and I'm not, you could be like, oh, my goodness, the experience was beautiful. I mean, the, the spirit was flowing. It was amazing. And then Monday, you go to your cubicle or you get in your car and you go, and it's like, I came in like a wrecking ball. Y'all like that, didn't you? You know? Or you hear, there's a tear in my beer. You're singing to it. <laughs> Or you sit down and you go, and you click on Grey's Anatomy. Ooh, did I just call something out? 
You click on as the stomach churns. You click, and you're and you're watching this, okay? And even here's the thing about music: you can go rake the yard, you can work in your cubicle, you do whatever. And sometimes you may not even know what the song was that you just heard. I do it sometimes with podcasts or listen to a pastor. I've got them in my ears and I'm working. I'm like, whoa, I just missed 10 minutes. I got to rewind that. But guess what? Guess what did hear that? My spirit. My soulless realm. So I'm trying to renew my mind. (laughs) And everything I'm going forward in, I'm going three steps back because how does the mind work? We talked about this in the Renewing Your Mind series. Your mind is an amazing machine. It's an amazing thing. What you give energy to, your thoughts, will create a neural pathway so your thought becomes chemicals, proteins, um, neurotransmitters, and it forms a physical building block, if you will, and gets stored in your brain. And there's a little line that's, that's called a, a dendrite, and that's where these thoughts and stuff are formed, okay? And when you have a traumatic experience... Sometimes those things can become, uh, on the board we showed this, like they can become very, very dark. They're heavily, so if you went out in the woods, you deer hunters, if you walk out in the woods and you're looking for signs of deers and you see that the grass has been kind of beat down a little bit and you're like, hey. And then you look down and you see some deer droppings. You go, hey, the deer, I'm going to follow this out. So you get on this and you start walking. A couple things happen. Either the, the trail kind of goes cold, like it's like, okay, I can't tell where they went, or you go, oh, my goodness, I found Interstate 40, right? Like where all the deer are converging, like the, the grass is completely beat down. It's just, I mean, a blind guy could find it, right? And you go, whoa, well, your thoughts, the ones that you give thoughts to, that's what they look like. They get heavily traveled, and your thought's going to take the path, of, the path of least resistance. So to break that, you have to replace. You can't just forget. You've got to replace that thought, If I grew up and my dad was abusive to me, okay, and I have those kinds of thoughts in my head, maybe maybe young ladies, maybe you have a dad complex, right? Like, well, my dad did horrible things to me and I have those thoughts in my head. Listen, you have to replace those thoughts. When those thoughts come, you have to capture them, right? But only do you have to capture them, you have to replace them with what God says you are. And guess what? Sometimes this takes time. Now, we want the microwave version, right? I've got 22 years of trauma in my brain, and I go, okay, Lord, I'm not going to think about that. You're a good, good father. You're not my earthly father. My earthly, you're my heavenly father, but you've died for me. And so that's good. And then we, we, we step up, and we go, okay. And then a the thought comes with, see, it doesn't work. No, it takes some time. I'm not saying God can't do a an amazing work in your life. He can. But sometimes the process that he wants to take you through is to prove to you. We talked about this a little bit Monday night in in prayer, that when he tested Abraham, God wasn't testing Abraham to find out if God could trust him. He already knew that. He was proving to Abraham who Abraham was. (laughs) Abraham, you got this in you. I'm asking you to do this, will you? And he goes, okay. And he followed through with it. And at the end of it, he's like, okay, I can, I can, I heard God. I put my trust in him. All things are good. And it was more about Abraham finding out who he is than it was about God being, hey, yes, ma'am. 
So in, in the psychological side of this thing, physical, physical okay, um, 63 days is it how long it takes to change from a bad thought to a good, to, to erase that bad um, um, pathway, if you will. 63 days. doesn't sound like a long time until you're on that journey. And then 63 days is a long time. Right? Uh, listen to this. Um, so during the day, you take in all the information around you with your five senses, okay? And then at night, all the information is sorted, filed, and if needed, cleaned up. This happens during uh, the non-conscious mind or during your REM sleep. So imagine if you're a cow and you're just grazing grass all the time and you're just filling your belly with grass and then you go lay down and you regurgitate or you meditate on that. You, you cough it back up, spit it back up, and you chew it to get all the nutrients. nutrients. So this is what's happening to you. All day long, you're seeing... I mean, it's crazy how many billions of times this is happening, right? Like, I mean, your mind is an amazing computer, amazing, okay? But it's like any computer, all right? So here's the thing. When I say your brain, let me, let me make sure that we're talking oranges and oranges. Your physical brain is the hardware. It's the computer, okay? Your mind, your thoughts are the software that tells the computer, how to run. Your brain does not run you. Your mind does. Now, your brain has autonomic functions. We call that breathing, right? You're, it's, it's just certain programs that are going to run constantly, all the time. But for the most part, the software, how you enter, is what interfaces with the hardware and tells it how to run, okay? Change your mind, change your life, all right? So when we get to this renewing your mind part, if God, if you could not change your mind, God would have never have written Romans 12 if it was not possible. If it was not possible to raise the dead, God would never have said, now you go and do these things. Raise the dead, cast out demons, da-da-da. Most of us, the reason we can't or won't is because it's in our mind. Oh, God, there's no possible way, I'm, right? And we give that thing energy, and so it creates a hard neural pathway. Now, like I said, I don't want to jump off into the, 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 the psychological part of it and just say it's all psychological. It's not. It's spiritual. But God made us this way, okay? That's why it's called supernatural, because it exceeds what is naturally possible, okay? That's why when we go to uh, someone that tries to... to redo our brain, if you will, if it's just a natural fix, we're probably going to be right back in the same predicament before too long. Yes, ma'am. So what would you call that? Um, um, well, there's a word. I'm, I'm trying to, how do I say it? Let me, just say that. Let me just say this, okay. So there is an idea out there. It's called the gene myth, okay? And that Myth is that we're victims of our biology. Basically, hey, you were dealt a bad hand. Sorry about it. You got to play it, right? Um, it's an ideal that all the things that we are come from our DNA genetic pool. We don't have control. We can't, we can't change our mind. We're stuck there, okay? Um, it's a victim mentality. Um, the crazy thing is, is that... Um, there's a huge thing that's going on right now, and 
How many know what CRISPR is? Anybody heard of CRISPR? Okay, it's a gene mutation program. So they go in and they go, hey, we want to change your DNA. Uh, it started out with gene, uh, what do they call it, uh, 23andMe? What do they call that? You know, you can, you, well, it, it goes beyond genealogy. So, yes, we can do your genealogy, but we can also tell you what you're susceptible to. <gasps> You've got mutation gene at P136-32, right? And I made that number up. I don't even know if that's real. But they, they can map out your genes and they can say, oh, oh, Debbie, I can tell by your genes you have a propensity to have liver cancer. So what we need to do is we've got a program. We can go in there and we can turn that gene off or we can switch that gene on, right? What do we call that? Well, I heard it. What? And what is manipulation? The sin of witchcraft. <laughs> what, did we all, what did we talk about at the very beginning? Uh, I don't know, three months ago, we started talking about the Nephilim and stuff. We said, what's this about? It's about a seed war. It's about changing your DNA. So we got well-meant doctors. And when I say this, please, 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 please hear me, okay? Because I don't think there's some that even know what they're doing, okay? But we have well-intended doctors that are saying, hey, if you've got this gene mutation, here's what I want to do. I want to put you uh, through this protocol. I want to change that gene so you can live long and a happy life. They may be well-intended, okay? But if the goal is to change my genes, what else is it changing? And I'm talking, when I say genes, what other genes is it affecting? Everyone in here, probably without exception, at one point in time has taken some kind of a drug in your life, an antibiotic, a something, Tylenol, whatever. Whatever it is, I had a doctor tell me one time, and I love this guy. He said, Monty, there are no benign drugs known to man. Every drug has a side effect. Every drug, without exception. When you take certain things in your body, we know now, you take too much Tylenol, it's going to kill your liver. And they know that. You're too kind. You're so kind. It's about money. I told you about, yeah, yeah. I told you about, there is an herb out there called, um, help me, somebody, the V word. Validium, I can't remember what it's called. But it helps reduce anxiety, uh, helps people that are insomnia, that helps that. Hang on. It's an herb. It's an herb, okay? So some doctors, some doctors got to, what's it called? Valerian, thank you. Some doctors got together and said, man, what, is, what makes it do this? And they got to study it, and they broke down the compounds, and they go, you know what, we can make a synthetic drug like this. And so they did, and they call it Valium now. So now you take a pill that has all kinds of side effects that can get you hooked so you can come back for more. They couldn't make any money on Valerian. I mean, well, I just say Valerian. <laughs> they can't make no money on that. Yeah. What do you think aspirin is? What do they call it? Salicylic acid. What is it? Tree bark. <laughs> and if you look at, not Tylenol, but if you look at aspirin, it's on there. It doesn't say tree bark, right? But that's what it is. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yeah, Genesis says he gave grass to the cows and herbs for man's service. That's why when I tell you like cayenne pepper, it's a natural blood thinner. If you have a leaking artery or anything like that, when it sees it, it'll plug it. Because why? 
because it's at man's service. God did it. We're going to get into a whole new subject. We're not going to be able to renew your mind. But this is what we're talking about like with the watchers. When they came on the earth, they began to teach men how to do these things, but they taught them the wrong way. So when they said they taught them the healing arts, yes, but then they started adding all these bad things with herbs, right? Um, Heroin and stuff. All that stuff's a natural substance, but when you mix it with other things, it's deadly, right? And so that's why I'm saying we, we, man, you're going to make me go there. Yes, Coca-Cola, yeah. That's why it's called Coke. (laughs) That's why it's called Coke. There is a tribe that has not been reached by humans, and it's in some little remote place, and they drink a concoction of, I don't know if it's gin. It's like gin and Coke. And they believe it wards off the bad spirits. Well, for a little while. (laughs) I mean, think about it. If you were taking gin and Coke, uh, cocaine, not Coke, would it ward off bad spirits? No, it'd ward them off. Why? What do they got to do? (laughs) Right? Oh, he's he's self-destructing. Okay, leave him alone, boys. (laughs) See, it works. Manipulation. Deception. Right. Um, so back to this. Um, now it's talking about the fall of Babylon in Revelations 18. Okay. Um, and in verse 23 it says, And the light of the lamp shall never shine in you again, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall never be heard in you again. For your businessmen were the tycoons of the world, for all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. Sorcery in the Greek is the word pharmakia, where we get the word pharmacy. Concoctions, putting things together, putting spells on people. How are they going to get rid of two-thirds of the population? Pharmakia might be a pretty good way. And guess who makes peroxide? God. (laughs) There's all kinds of things. Here's the thing. We have to be careful when we start talking about healing, when we get into some of this stuff, because here's the thing. Y'all know that hippie person, right, that everything's about some drug, right, or some herb, right? It's like, but we don't put any trust in Jesus, right? Um, So if it's the same lady that I'm thinking about, um, when she teaches some of this stuff sometimes, she says, we we make this poultice, uh, we put it on her knee, and we said, Jesus, thank you. And, and like, she honors God by saying, you're the one who created this, right? And so we we say, hey, yeah, if we look at uh, Paul, Telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach, okay? So in the scriptures, when you look at healing, there was a couple things that took place in the healing realm. A lot of it was chronic diseases, like there was like incurable, like leprosy, right? There was things that was going on, they, they didn't really know how to fix that, right? And I'm not saying that Jesus only heals chronic, he, he died for plantar warts, just like he died for cancer, like he, all that, okay? But now let's think about this, like we talked about, I'm presenting myself as a living sacrifice, Okay? However, I eat wrong, I don't exercise, I do all the things that kill my body, right? And then I go, God, and he's like, hang on, wait a minute. <laughs> Quit doing some of those things, right? Yeah, <laughs> slap us around a little bit. And it's not because he doesn't want to heal us. I know people that were smokers and had lung cancer, and God healed them of lung cancer while they were smoking, 
right? It's not, his, his goodness far exceeds. I'm just saying we need to start thinking about some of these things like, hey, what can I do to help my body? Your body was created to heal itself. I can prove it. Who wants me to prove it? Huh? I'm not going to cut me. I'm going to cut somebody volunteer. <laughs> I'm not that dumb. <laughs> well, I did. So you can't see it right now, but I smacked my thumb with a hammer, and it made a blood blister right there. And guess what? It's been almost two weeks. And guess what? It's almost healed up. Why? Because my body has a mechanism in it that's designed to heal itself. So sometimes when we say, Lord, I need a healing, guess what? Sometimes it might be a process that we go through. But we get discouraged. That's why the Bible says, don't get discouraged. Keep looking up. He's, he's taking us through something. God, you are so faithful. I know my wife and I, uh, we saw this story about a lady who her son was born, I believe he was born this way, um, as a uh, paraplegic. He could not walk. And so every day she would drag him out of his bed and she would say, today's the day that you're going to walk in Jesus' name. She did it for 20 one years. She put him to bed, 21 years of age, put him to bed one night, covered him up, told him she loved him. She was laying in the bed that morning, the next morning, and he came in and woke her up. Mom, 21 years. No waiver. Today is the day that you're going to walk. Right? Well, that's crazy. Some may call it that. Bulldog face. Grabbing a hold of something and saying, no, I will not let this go. Yeah. You can't think it's going to be good. So are you telling me that if I take a, I, I listened to Dan Moeller one time, and he was talking about a lady. She asked, she said, hey, I take kale because I have a thyroid issue. Is that bad? And he said, no, I, I, don't, I don't think it's bad. There again, an herb, right, natural occurring thing, you take it. He said, but let me ask you a question. Let's say next year, there was a huge frost, and I don't know if frost kills kale or whatever, but he said, there was frost, and it killed all the kale, and you couldn't get your kale supply. Would you freak out? Because if you would, you're probably putting more trust in that kale than you are God, right? You see the difference? No problem using kale. No problem popping a multivite if that's what you need to take, right? Nothing wrong with that. But what's your trust in? God, I eat this food that you create. Man, I'm telling you right now, the food that you're eating and when I say that, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying like you're eating bad. I'm saying even the broccoli that you're eating, right? The stuff is got sprayed on it. Let me tell you something. If you do not understand the scripture, you shall eat no deadly thing. You shall drink no deadly thing. It shall not that word drink is like imbib. It means to ingest. So it's not just eat. It's, it's or I mean drink. It's eat and drink, okay? If you don't understand that, that should become your normal prayer when you're praying over your food. Lord, it doesn't matter. Let me ask you this. Daniel goes to the king and says, listen, don't give me any of the fine stuff, right? I don't want the king's meal. I want the porridge. And, and after 30 days, let's see who's looking the best here, right? And he was healthier than all of them. Why? Because he was making a point. Listen, it's not about, it's, it's about my king. It's about the one that I serve. What would happen if people started dying off because there was something in the food or maybe some crazy virus that was going around? And everybody was dying from it except people that were completely and totally 
in love with Jesus. And they were saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you said if I drink or eat any deadly thing, it should not harm me. Thank you, Lord, that you told us in the Old Testament, if we would serve you, you would take away sickness and disease from our drink and our bread. Food. I mean, and people go, well, what's your secret? Um, the Bible. <laughs> the promises of God. What? I mean, that's us living different than the people that's around us. Oh, don't eat that. Let me pray for you. That nobody gets sick in this restaurant or throw it. Yeah, please, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Yeah. I mean, if we just think about the CO2 thing, like, you know, there was a deal that um, I believe it was Bill Gates wanted to cut down um, 75,000 acres or something of trees to, and bury them because of CO2. And it's like, wait a minute. I mean, we need CO2, right? To grow plants, but the, that's what I'm saying. People are like, oh, yeah, this is the greatest idea. It's like, whoa, whoa, back up. Let's just go back to third grade science, right? So the little plants put their little deals out and they grab the CO2 and then they cough up oxygen. And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, right. I mean, we need this. And um, I saw a deal, uh, a senator giving uh, some climate change people the what for. And he was like, can you tell me? what percentage of our oxygen is CO2? And one's like, oh, I don't know, five, well, I don't know, eight. I'm going to go the high road, right, right? One of the four, five, 10, 25, 30, 45, what? And so he says, well, it's actually 0.04%. And if it goes, if it goes below 0.02%, we're all going to die. And you want to get rid of CO2. What? You want to get rid of farming. Who, like, I think it was um, the Prime Minister of Canada, don't quote me on this, but I think it was him, that they said something about the farmers. He said, we don't need farmers, we have supermarkets. Who? Come on. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Right? It's like, where's it? But it makes sense in light of what they know. Because like Myra said, we'll just bioengineer this stuff. We don't need farmers. That's in essence what he was saying. We'll just make the food. Right? And if you ever go on YouTube and you like, how do they make lunch meat? You don't need no lunch meat no more. <laughs> I don't suggest it for the weakest stomach, Okay. You mean you mean tell you what they're proposing and actually are are in some countries have already passed it and they're trying to get it here. Yeah, I don't know. I've eaten a couple. I didn't particularly like them. <laughs> this says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. We begin to act on those things. And in my notes, I highlighted act, wrote a line out to the side, and put faith. Faith is an action. You will act out what you believe. You will act out what you believe. As a man thinks in his heart, he will begin to have the faith on those things. He will begin to act on those things. Let me show you this. Talk to me. They were eating them. Yes, they were. They were consuming flesh. We were not designed to eat each other. The Donner Expedition was not a good thing, okay? So listen to this. Fruit is the outward appearance of the actions of the thoughts, those things produced by our thinking and acting. Fruit is the outward appearance of the actions of your thought. You can have a thought. Let me tell you this. There was a really bad teaching, and I didn't understand this until a while back. When I say a while back, five or six years ago. There's been kind of a bad teaching that has gone on that has said, um, especially in the, in the Pentecostal realm, that if you have a thought about something, it must reside in you, okay? 
um, I'm just going to use men. Um, if you had seen pornographic images when you were little, young, or yesterday, um, and you repented of those things, okay, and you asked God for his help, and he does, he delivers you all those things, right? If that thought comes back to you, it must still be in you, okay? That's what I'm saying. It was a, it was a bad teaching. And that's where deliverance ministry kind of got a bad name because there was people like, you got it in you, you need to, you know, ah, right? And we jump on them. We hold them down until the devil comes out, right? And it's like, well, there wasn't no devil in there, <laughs> right? He'd already been kicked out, right? And so what happens is, and, and, and I'll go back to this. I was listening to uh, Dan speak one day, and he was talking about that. As a kid, he said, I, I saw my first pornographic image when he was like 10. He was walking down a railroad track, and he found a magazine, all right? So he saw that, and that led him um, to, to other things, videos, that kind of stuff, um, early in his life, okay? The Lord delivered him of all that, okay? He's, he's good now. He's preaching. This is years later, okay? He's preaching. And he said, man, I was in one of them services, and he said, dude, the power of God was just immense. It was fun. He said the, the keyboardist was the only one that was playing, and all of a sudden all the worshipers just fell, right? And the keyboardist, she's down on her knee and just had one finger. Bing! <laughs> Bing! That's all she's doing, right? Huh? Yeah. That was you? Yeah. <laughs> he said it was great, and he said, if you've ever been in one of them services, just this amazing hush comes over the crowd, right? And he said, they give me the mic. And he said, right before they give me the mic, I'm standing and he said, I'm just worshiping the Lord. And he said, all of a sudden, this video goes right across my mind. One of those pornographic videos. He said, I sit there for a minute and I said, Thank you, God, that I'm not who that is, that you have made me clean. And he just begins to worship God in a radical way. Now, let me tell you something. If you've ever been in one of the Pentecostal services, and it's real quiet, and somebody goes, <coughs> you'll go, <coughs> I mean, because it'll just. So he said, I began to call this thing out, and I was just worshiping God. I'm warned. God, you're so good. And he said, apparently somebody thought, this is what we're supposed to do. So they said, oh, God. And as soon as the whole crowd, ah. Right? But he said, here's the thing. That thing came at a specific time, right when I'm fixing to give the word. And he said, what most ministers would do is they would hand the mic to somebody and say, I can't do this because I had a bad thought. It's not in you anymore. It's the enemy's attempt to get you to go back to something. Will you give this action? What kind of action will you give it? I'll give it action. Straight to the throne room of God. Right? Not, oh, but most of us go, oh, right? Yeah. We got to get, I mean, it's out of us. Yeah. That word think, talk about giving action to a thought. It's not think like to have that. Here's the thing. How many thinks that seeing a naked person of the opposite sex is a sin? Wow, nobody in here believes that looking at a naked body is a sin? Let me ask you again. Does anybody think looking at a naked body is a sin? Purposeful. Every doctor and every nurse is going to hell. <laughs> now, I would not encourage you to just go look at naked body, okay? What I'm saying is this. 
don't convolute the two in the sense of like, hey, right? Listen, I have been, we was in Mexico one time, okay? Mexico has a completely different outlook on things than we do. So I've got this young kid with me, and we're walking through um, one of the, um, the um, uh, markets there. We're fixing to go to Chihuahua, uh, down to Saltillo, and build a church. So we decided to stop when we cross the border, and we go to this market. And this kid wanted to find a $10 Rolex. So we're walking through, and we're trying to find a $10 Rolex, okay? So this kid had never been out of his mother's house. He's 16 years of age. Literally, he had never spent the night outside his mother's house, okay? We're in Mexico, and we're walking through there, and we're looking for this thing, and he goes, oh, my gosh, look. Well, there's a picture, the proverbial uh, picture of Jesus on the cross with a crown, right? And then right next to him is this three-quarter painting of a completely nude woman. There's a naked woman by Jesus, <laughs> right? And I'm like, Ryan, 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 whoa, whoa, hang on. I was like, culture's a little different down here. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, keep looking at the lady, all right? I'm just saying, hey, we go to our motel in Chihuahua, and um, we're there, and we get to thinking that, so the girls are in this room, the guys are in this room. I've got six beauty queens with me, okay? They brought curling irons, and I said, lady, y'all don't need that, right? They got there. We're staying in a four-star Hilton motel in Chihuahua, Mexico, okay? And when they got there, they pulled the sheets back, and there was hair growing in the bed. They said, we're not sleeping here. I said, ladies, you don't have a choice, okay? And so that night, they slept on top of the bed in their sleeping bags, right? By the third night we were there, they didn't care. Hair and all, we're getting in this bed, we're going to sleep, right? And so I noticed that there was a lot of activity underneath, like, where we're staying. And so I'm going, and I'm looking out the window. People coming in, people going out. And I'm like, oh, it's a restaurant. That's a Wednesday night. Friday night, we realized, oh, it's a strip club. <laughs> it's not a restaurant. So I told him, I said, here's what we're going to do. Guys, we got an early morning. We're getting up Saturday morning. We're going to the job site. Go to your rooms. Lock the doors. Do not open the door unless it's me. And if they say, Monte, don't open the door, okay? <laughs> All right? So, okay. So I took this young man with me. I said, give me some pesos. We'll go downstairs. We'll get some Cokes. We'll bring them up to your room so you can have them so you don't have to go nowhere. Da, da, da. Okay. So I had him take his shirt and, you know, hold it out like this so we can pack a bunch of Cokes in there. So we pack a bunch of Cokes in there, and we're going to our room. We're on the second floor. A flight of stairs, a landing. You turn, flight of stairs, a landing. We're walking. This vaquero comes in. You all know what that is? That's a, that's a cowboy. And, I mean, he is decked out, dude. He's got silver lined hat. He's got the, the concho. He's got silver tip boots, the whole nine yards. And, dude, I'm talking about cockroach kickers, right? Like in the corner, kick a cockroach with these boots. They're so pointed. And so he's got two girls on each side, right? And these girls are wearing skirts, sort of. Like there's nothing there, okay? And they didn't really have the proper undergarments. Didn't have any, okay? And so they go before us, and so they're hitting the landing about the time we're hitting the bottom. And he looks up, and he says, they don't have it. I went, wham. <laughs> I don't want to get stabbed in Chihuahua, Mexico, Okay. <laughs> So we go to the room, and he's telling all the guys, oh, my gosh, we came in, these two girls. I'm like, oh, my goodness, Ryan. Oh. So we had to have a whole talk about this. I'm like, listen, yeah, don't let the first thing when you get back tell your mom, mom, there was a naked lady standing by Jesus. And it's like, okay. Oh, my. So here's what I'm saying. Let me say this so it doesn't come off wrong. Um, I'm not saying that we should just endeavor to look at naked bodies, okay? Listen, the scriptures are very clear. If you're married, your wife's body 
was supposed to be for the man's pleasure and vice versa. The woman's body was never designed for her. It was designed for him. That's how good God is. These ladies that look in the mirror and go, I don't like the way I look. Well, guess what? Your husband will. But we're not teaching our young daughters that. We're not teaching our sons that, right? And so they have this unhealthy, like, what am I supposed to? I mean, look at this room. We're a pretty diverse group of people. Short, tall, some with hair, some that are challenged. Some started out with a full body of hair, right, Gary? I've seen pictures. But what I'm saying is, is that we, we have to be careful, right? But there was, a, there was a period of time where if you were to see someone that was naked, you would be like, oh, my gosh, I've sinned. Now, what do you do with that thought, right? You, let me tell you, you don't have to see a girl naked to have bad thoughts, okay? I know this because I'm a guy, <laughs> and I was a kid one time. Well, I say kid, I mean, you know, I was young and dumb, right? And you can undress a girl real quick. You don't, you don't have, she don't have to have clothes on. I'm, and I, I hope I'm talking like truth and adult things, and y'all aren't like, oh, my gosh, right? I mean, let's just, let's just be real, right? And the unfortunate part is, as the church, we can't talk about these things because it's like, oh, did he say sex in church? Well, how do you think you got here? Right? I mean, God designed it. Think about it. God designed this beautiful act, right? He could have done anything he wanted. I said this one time, and people were going, oh. He could have made you exchange boogers. That sounds funny, but he could have done that. But he said, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah, y'all are thinking about, I ain't a bugger. <laughs> Nobody would have, but you're right, Miss Jean. None of us would be here, would they? I know what y'all been doing. <laughs> That's, there, was a, there was a funny in a, uh, there was a funny in some of the things that I, uh, man, I've lost y'all. There was a funny, <laughs> there was a funny that I got one time, and it said about this uh, little boy, and um, he was, uh, picking his boogers, and his mom told him to quit that, and and she caught him eating them. Said you got to quit that. Said if you keep eating those, it'll make your belly swell. Well, three or four Sundays go by, and they're sitting there at church, and then comes this pregnant woman and sits down beside him, and he looks her over like this, and he says, "I don't know what you've been doing." <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I know what you've been doing. God's, God's got a sense of humor. Amen. Oh, I don't know if we can ever go back to renewing our minds now. Woo, we need to renew our minds is what we need to do. I guarantee you, Lord, we stop right now and just say, help us. Help me. Hallelujah. So in this whole, I, listen to this. I've, I've quoted this before, and I said it not too long ago. Listen to this. Um, Stephen Rappaport did a, a study, and it's, it's called The Genetic Factors Are Not the Main Cause of Chronic Diseases. That's his research paper. The researchers now believe that toxic stress is responsible for up to approximately 90% of illnesses, including heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. Only 5 to 10% come from genetic factors alone. When you go to the doctor... And he says, you got polynodidabadabadoodle all day. And you go, oh. and you go, Google the symptoms of polynodidabadoodle all day. <laughs> and it says, it says, runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, some can cause death. <gasps> death. 
We race to the negative. I can prove it, okay? I can prove it, that you race to the negative, okay? I do not want you to think about a black dog, okay? Every one of you just thought about a black dog. I told you, do not look, do not look at a black dog. Your mind will go there. That's why the Bible says, take every thought into captivity. It's not bad that you had the thought. It's what do you do with it? Do you give it energy? So that's why we have to fight from the Scriptures. That's why we write it on our hands. That's why we write it on our foreheads. That's why we write it on our heart. That's why we put it on the refrigerator to remind us when I get up, when I go to bed, when I'm working, whatever. Here it is right in front of me. When you give it words, yeah. And, that, and here's the thing, too. You can. God's gracious. God, God's so good. He really is. Um, Psalms, um, I'm going to get this wrong. Uh, Psalms, it's in the Psalms. I'll have to, I'll have, huh? I'll have to look it up. Well, I, I can't remember it. I need recall, Holy Spirit. I want to say, not, I want to say 39. Let me, let me go. Psalms, let me see if it's Psalms 39. Make me know the number of my days. Maybe this is it. Um, I'm speed reading. Okay, I don't see it in there. But there's a psalm and it talks about, um, he's talking about the rebellious children in Israel. And he says that God's going to shorten or, or make their days 70 to 80 years. Okay? And we go, wow, that seems kind of harsh. No, it's beautiful. God says, I'm going to give you 70, 80 years. What it was was, I'm not going to make you stay out in this desert all these years wandering around because they couldn't go in. They were the rebellious ones, okay? They were the generation that could not go in. And he said, I'm going to cut your days off at 70 and 80 years of age. That's the goodness of God. Instead of going, you know what? <laughs> You're done. So I'm going to give you 70, 80 years. And he said, if you repent, maybe even more. Do you know that when he dealt with Jezebel, the Lord spoke to Jezebel, get your stuff in order. And it says in there, I'm paraphrasing, he said he gave her a space of time to repent, but she rejected it. And because of that, he ended that. But he gave her space. I was just talking to Eva. We've heard that 120 years of age is a promise of God, right? Sort of. So that scripture in Genesis 6, when it talks about, uh, he says, I will not contend with man. His days will be numbered 120 years. What he's talking about is what was fixing to happen. I'm going to give you 120 years to get y'all stuff together. Okay, it took about 75 years for Noah to build the ark. Is that what they told you? About 75 years? Well, most people thought it was 100. If you go back and look at the dates and times, there's a little bit of discrepancy. Is it 75? Is it 78? That kind of thing. What we can best say is about 75. So what happened is before the flood, God makes this statement. Now remember, we don't know how much time is between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Okay? So just like in Genesis 6, careful that we don't, we don't read it that it was immediately. There could be some time in there. So he says, I'm going to give it to man. Uh, their lifespan is going to be 120. What was he talking about? He was talking about those right then. At the end of that 120 years, if they did not repent, if they did not get their stuff in order, I'm, I'm destroying the earth. Okay, now, good news. If you believe you want to live to 120 years, keep believing that way because you can. But 120 is not the 
end of your years. You don't go to 120 and go, eh, you know, the day before you turn 21, 121, right? You can live further than that if you want, if you can believe it and receive it, because the Bible says we can have what we believe. And let me tell you this, some of y'all's faith is really working. What do I mean by that? Ah, brother, it's flu season. I bet I'm going to catch the flu. Hey, Pastor Marty, we're not going to be there Sunday. I got the flu. Praise God, your faith is working. What? <laughs> I heard you say the other day. We don't think about it like that, right? We just think that, well, no, I just caught the bug. Well, don't, don't put a catcher's mitt on. <laughs> right? take, take a baseball bat to it. No. Here, let me show you the graciousness and the goodness of God. He says that um, nothing shall come near your dwelling. Right? But because God's so gracious and he says, but if it does... No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I mean, he's got all this, he's got this goodness about him. He's like, you know what? Listen, if you can believe this and receive this, nothing bad, no, nothing's going to come to your dwelling. But if something escapes, something comes in, blindsides you, whatever, just know this. There's no weapon formed against you that shall prosper, right? That's, it, that's, that's just the goodness of God. So what, what, I, what I'm saying is don't be discouraged because you're like, oh, I thought it was 120 years. It can be. It can actually be more. It can be more than that. I, I thought it was so funny, the, the pharmaceutical company talking about we've taken great strides in, in expanding man's, you know, years to, you know, 77, 78 or whatever. It's like, pfft. sounds like me, you jipped me out of 50. <laughs> okay, listen to what this says. According to the study by Colin Mayers and Dijon Lucas, Updated projections of global mortality and the burden of disease. For the first time in decades, the trend of people living longer has been reversed. People are sicker and dying younger despite all of the advances we have made in medicine and technology. Let me just stop right there for a minute. There's plenty of advances. It's an advance. What's the enemy's agenda? I mean, let's think about this for a minute, right? So despite all the advances we made in medicine and technology, people are dying younger than their predecessors from preventable lifestyle diseases. Now listen to this. We are not only experiencing pandemics, unhealthy lifestyles, and pollutants, but more and more people are dying from despair, the complete loss or absence of hope. We've been so busy spending money and time on trying to fix the brain and the body, we haven't given time or attention to the mind. What do you think? You think you're going to die? You will die. If you think you're going to get over this disease, and see, here's the beautiful thing about it. God set this thing in motion. It's not even a Christian idea. There are people out there that don't even believe in God, and yet they set their mind to say, I am not going to die with this. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to fight. And they end up getting better. And they go worship their God. Whatever their God is, right? But you and I say, no, let the glory be to you, King of Kings, Adonai, Hashem, right? That's who we should be worshiping. I mean, I'm telling you, you're going to start seeing these lines get really, not blurred, but get real close to each other, and you're going to have to use some discernment. I just like to thank God for this uh, award. Who's your God? <laughs> I mean, everybody says God, right? Yes, sir.
Amen. Amen. I love it. I love it. Hallelujah. That's good stuff, man. I, I, and Amen. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a little different. I love it, Ray. Amen. Yeah. Welcome testimony. I love it. And, and Ray brings up something, too, that and we'll end here tonight. Um, in the middle column, uh, page 10, I believe it is, where it says, uh, so if you've got a stronghold right there. Um, he talks about at times like when you get down and you get discouraged, it's hard to pick up the Bible and sit down and just start talking to God. We feel so far away from God, right? And uh, talks about, says, God, is this what you say about me? Is this who you say I am? You're my strength. Did you know that your victory is just that simple? You need to say, I'm going to resist what I'm letting the enemy do to me right now. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to open the Bible, and I'm not going to read just words on these pages, but I'm going to connect with God beyond these words. That is absolutely true. Sometimes you have to do what you feel like not doing, and that's why we say we don't operate by emotions because emotions are a bad judge of what we should and shouldn't do. Okay, I'm not saying all emotions are bad, all right? Um, I like it when um, once a year my wife tells me she loves me, all right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> she ain't here so I can mess with her, right? <laughs> Somehow I feel like that's going to get back to her before I get home, right? But I'm just kidding. But all I'm saying is those, those emotions are good, you know? I mean, like when you're... When you're sitting in a, a room or something, you know, with your spouse or whatever, and you just make that little contact or whatever, and, and um, you know, th- those things are okay. There's nothing wrong with that. What I'm saying is we, are, we live our lives, though, in an emotional capacity sometimes. That's why we have people that are, are mad all the time. Like, they'll say something, and they, well, I just don't. It's like, whoa, 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 your emotions are out of control. Don't you tell me. Well, look. <laughs> Let me tell you something that I have found that has been amazing. And that is worship as a weapon. When you don't feel like getting in the Word, okay? Sometimes you may need a Kickstarter, Spotify, Pandora, whatever you got your playlist on, right? And you just get one song and you just say, Lord, I'm coming in. I find that, that sometimes if I do that, if basically I'm telling my body what I'm fixing to do. The Lord knows I'm coming, right? But sometimes I remind my body. So there's a thing in weightlifting or anything else that you'll kind of plateau. Like maybe you're uh, curling or something, right? And if you want to get something different, you just lift one leg. Your body watches you do things. Can I say this without making anybody mad? If you tell somebody I'll be there at 6 and you're constantly being late, your body knows you don't tell the truth. So when you tell your body healing manifests in my body, your body goes, whatever. You're training your body. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying, listen, there's, it's one thing you're, you know, hey, I had a flat. Hey, I got hung up in traffic. There's, you know, those, those things happen. But I'm just saying, on a, I used to tell my kids, listen, if you show, if you're supposed to be at work at 7, you need to be there at 6.50, 6.55, right? Because work starts at 7, right? And if you do that and you show up at 7.10 one day, like you don't have a cell phone, whatever, they're not going to be like, well, it's all, they're going to be like, what happened, man? Because you're, you're always here, right? It's what you establish. But worship as a weapon is an amazing, um, it's an amazing thing that if we will, 
if we'll use it as such, yes, we're worshiping God, but we know that we're going right into the throne room of God. Hey, devil, you want to you wanna come hang out? Okay, but here's where I'm going. He can't stay. That's resisting the enemy. That's resisting when you go, nope, I'm going straight to the throne room of God, and I'm going to worship for a while. Sometimes, like I said, I'll just say, God, can I, can I come and just worship you for a minute? Sometimes I'll say, Lord, can I just sit in your presence? I know he's not going to say no. <laughs> nah, boy, I got time. You know, I know he's not going to say no. It's a respect. It's an honoring thing, right? Knowing that, and thank you that you let me come in to the very throne room of God. And you just love on me. That's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, we may... Um, I think we've touched on most of the things in here. I've got I've got 74 pages of notes here. I would encourage you, if you've not went and heard the Renewing Your Mind series, uh, go on our website and go download that Mind Over Matter series. I think it's six deals, but we talk heavily about like what happens. Um, we talk about this idea, too, that everything in your design uh, was made for the love side. There is nothing in you that was made negatively. Nothing. As a matter of fact, we now know scientifically that a bad thought, and you say, what's a bad thought? Anything that's contrary to the Word of God. A bad thought will damage your brain. It looks like a bird's nest instead of a nice straight line. Here's the beautiful thing. Somebody needs to hear this. On your dendrites, um, when you have something happen to you, a PTSD, trauma, that kind of thing, you have thorns that will appear on those dendrites. When I say thorns, little projecting projections that come out, okay? You have in your body, remember, God created you. He knows what you need. That's why they're after your DNA. You have a thing called a gileal cell. When you go to sleep at night, after you have forgiven somebody, remember, forgiveness is not for that person. Forgiveness is for you. When you truly, for, when you truly forgive them and you go to bed that night and you go to sleep and you hit REM, these little gileal cells come out, and guess what they do? They begin to erase those little thorns on your dendrites. You may have a lot of little thorns. <laughs> They're like a vacuum. They, they vacuum up the bad, the bad stuff. It's amazing. God knew this. That's why he said be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't want you to live like this. I died for something so much better. You just don't know what that person did. All right, well, then live with it. Because Jesus made a way. That's harsh. I can't believe you'd say that, Pastor. I didn't. The Bible did. I'm just, I'm just a messenger, all right? You want to kill the messenger? Okay, but I'm just, I'm just a messenger. You just don't understand. Maybe I don't, but God does. I mean, what did he go through? Pull, pull. They're nailing this nail into his hands, and he's going, Jesus, he's, oh, man. He said, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Amazing. And we go, well, you don't, well, he was perfect. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but maybe what you said wasn't very perfect either. I don't know. What you don't capture will capture you. I'll say that again. What you don't capture will capture you. The devil, the world's system, his system always says this, you will. God says, will you. He gives you a choice. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercy. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that 
you so intricately designed us. There's no possible way anybody could look at this body and say that somehow randomly this thing all came together. It was by design. And we know the designer. And we're grateful to know that. Father, those who don't know you, we ask. Father, break in somehow, some way. Father, if it's us that needs to be more diligent at working, so be it. But Father, we're asking the breakthrough, especially in this day and age that we're living in. Father, some of us here have family members, loved ones, brothers, sisters, mothers, dads, that need to know you right now. So Father, we're asking, Lord, that you would begin to show yourself, even physically, if that's what it takes, Lord. We know that you love them more than we can ever imagine or even dream. So, Father, we just, uh, we, just, we just want to say thank you. We love you, Lord. You are so good to us. You are merciful. You are gracious. You have given us long life. Father, probably some of us can think back to like, I should have died here. I should have died here. I should have died here. But you have prolonged it, Lord. You have, you have given us space. You're still dealing with us, saying, come on, son. I've got this plan for you. We're, gr we're grateful for that, Lord. So, Father, as we leave this place tonight, Father, we ask for uh, the Spirit of God just to rest upon us as we do just that, as we rest upon our beds tonight, as we sleep. Father, we're grateful and thankful. Father, if you bring something to our remembrance that we need to forgive someone of, maybe they're someone that's long past our life, maybe somebody, maybe even deceased, whatever it may be, Father, we would cry out and we would ask for forgiveness. Lord, in that sense that we would clear our conscience and Lord, as we sleep, we thank you, Lord, that you've designed our bodies to take care of those memories, those, those thought patterns that we've developed. And Lord, that we can uh, live at peace with that. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word that says that you'll keep us in perfect peace if we'll keep our mind stayed on you. We thank you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. Love you. See you Sunday. <laughs>